In this episode, we're catching up with our friend Logan from DM Screening, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear is a tabletop gaming company that provides affordable and versatile tabletop gaming products. What I love about their products is that you can purchase any of their dice trays, dice towers, or any other products and use it across multiple gaming systems. For example, if you've been playing D&D for a while, but you now want to start playing Star Wars Legion, you can take the dice trays and dice towers that you've purchased and start utilizing it for Star Wars Legion. In addition to that, you can buy one of their dice trays or dice towers and still have room in your budget to purchase the core rule books or anything else you need for whatever system you're playing. Now, if this is something that is going to interest you and that you and your players are going to be able to utilize, I highly recommend going to roamingplayergear.com, link in the description, and use the code word ROAMING20 at checkout for 20% off your final purchase. Again, that's ROAMING, R-O-A-M-I-N-G, 2-0, to receive 20% off your final purchase. I know you've been doing a lot in the community. I know you and I also play in Evermore, so Ray, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Got DM's game, which... We were talking about it beforehand. It's insane. Um, it's a beautiful world, I should say, but it's insane. Well, the fact that we've been playing, you've been playing for about what, four or five months now? Give or take? Give or take, yeah. And I've been playing, I've been playing for about a, a little less than a year now. Yeah. But just, um, but like the fact that our characters haven't met, like that's yeah. the one thing I love. Like, like I've only played with a handful of people. Like yeah, I can no. count on one hand. I can count on one hand the people that I've played with. And there are five times that many people that play in the world of Evermore on a weekly basis, which is I, awesome. I talked to uh, Ray on the on one of the on the podcast the other day, and he said that there's like 50 players, give or take, in that he's DMing. And whether that is, you know like 10 player, you know, cause he'll DM up to 10 or 12 people in a session. And I'm like, yeah. dude, like how, you know, how do you even do this? But as I started like thinking about it, it's like, he's not really asking for too much from the player except to just be attentive. And all he's no. doing is just facilitating the story. That's it. It's all in our hands. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one thing I find so beautiful is like, I, <laughs> I laugh every time I think of it, but like Ray just goes, I'm the referee, right? Yeah. Like that's his big thing is like, I'm the referee. And we I all know that's here. not true. We, yeah. I just work here. And we all know that's not true. And if Ray is listening, yes, I'm calling him out, but I also love him. Uh, <laughs> but it, everything is so character driven in the world of yes. Evermore. You, you create and forge your own path. And it's absolutely it's so unlike any other type of D&D that I've ever played before. Um, and, and I was actually going to ask you that. So like as a DM and a world builder, you know, we talked about how like, you know, each world should be different, right? Like don't copy, copy and paste aspects that you like and try to transform them and translate them into your own game. I think we, you know, we hit on that last time and we were really adamant about it. But when I look at Ray's world where it's like, it's so story driven that, your character when you first started, I'll, I'll say for mine, was completely different now. Like my character is probably going to go through something different than what they intended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that was a, the character. So the first character that I played, he was on a very, very, because um, I, I, my first character died. About How forces. did they die? No, or, I'm kidding. Um, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My, my lawyers have contacted me and told me <laughs> I'm not allowed to speak about the events that happened. What I will say is, is that it was in the catacombs, Ooh. Um, which is Ooh. so for me, there's two things. Um, now, I'll talk just because I'm very passionate about the catacombs and I'm very passionate about um, this place called Yashai, uh, yeah. both of which are like raise no no dark zones yeah. like you don't want to go there um they're very dark they're very foreboding you shy more so than the catacombs uh or at least i've been or at least i've been told however i've actually experienced the catacombs and i kid you not i want more 
like the experience that I had down in the catacombs made me want to create a character and I will at some point down the line when I feel like it's the right time for it mm-hmm. um, but create a character that's his sole purpose is to go down into the catacombs and conquer and make the catacombs like it, it's like um, the equivalent of like Ninja Warrior right like it's yeah. that's my Mount Mount Midori okay yeah so you're so so basically like you you don't want to conquer it like a warlord you want to survive it i just want to survive it and i want to explore it and i want to be the one who goes down there and says listen if you know where to go and if you know how to travel and if you're with the right people the catacombs aren't bad the catacombs are actually an expansive and probably safer place to travel than above Mm -hmm. the ground now um, that's did, that would be you, the goal did you read the percy jackson series by any chance i have not i've read okay. i think i read the first one and then after that but that was when i was really little okay because i was gonna say um like i there's a part that it talks about the labyrinth of like minos mm-hmm. i believe and like how it but they describe it as it shifts and turns and it does all these things like time there is relative too because mm-hmm. You could be there for hours, but in in the real world, you're or up top rather, it's like a minute that's passed. I feel like yeah. that's what the catacombs are. The catacombs just has a mind has become a mind, you know, an entity of its own. Mm-hmm. And I love I that. Agree with that. I love that because what I feel that Ray has done is that he has he really has just set things in motion and then just let it go, let everyone just do their thing. Yeah, I mean, like the fact that. Like you, for instance, we're we're able to really bring back and usher in a new change for the dwarves. Like that's yeah. awesome. Um, and I've only heard I've only heard bits and pieces of it, and I don't want to know the full story until I officially meet uh, Dane himself. Um, just because I feel like that's his tale to tell, and like hearing it not inside the world, it's weird. Like it's it's weird. Yeah. Like I've heard lots of stories, and, and like I've heard lots of stories about other characters. Um, but the big thing about Ray's world, and I learned this the very, very, that one, the first one shot that I ever played in Ray's world when I was in Corvai with uh, my war player, Kane, um, before his untimely passing in the catacombs, uh, is that per- perspective is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it per- and when in doubt, that word, just perspective, taking a step back and really looking at it, because we as human beings create our own image in our head of what things look like based on mm-hmm. what we hear. And so, you know, I've heard things about characters where I'm like, well, I never want to interact with that character. Yeah. And then I hear a different story from a different person who had firsthand experience with that character. And I'm like, Hmm, maybe that character isn't as bad as I thought. And maybe I should try to connect with them in some way. And so like, that's, that's the big thing is everybody spins in Evermore and it's not malicious. There's, there's no, no maliciousness to it, but everybody spins their own story. And when you, everybody is spinning their own story, it's very focused on their perspective of the events that are happening and not the truth of the event, if that makes sense. For sure. And you see, I have some insight knowledge as well on like what happened to the dwarves for an mm-hmm. I, I, Dane will tell you that when the time comes. So like for me, it's like, <clears throat> and I don't, and I don't know if like Ray does this on purpose. I don't know if Ray just was like, I'm just going to let it go because as a historian and, you know, we've talked about this where it's like, there's yes, objective truth. Absolutely. But there's also different perspectives on that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like we know that there have been wars, but the and that's objectively true. But we also know that there's different sides to it and different interpretations and perspectives. So that's where yeah. it's like really beautiful about Ray's world, where there is this thing that happened, set in time, mm-hmm. but the perspective on what happened is just and that's where man, I just it's like it's like crack, man. Well, I don't know because I, I'm, I've never done crack. I've, but never, I've never done it, but I imagine this is the effect it would have on me. <laughs> this is the D&D version of uh, addiction. No, it, it 100% is, though. I mean, I can't think of a moment in Ray's world that I've sat there and, and been bored. No, never. Like, 
and, and even when the story isn't about me, because with, with Skektak, my, my <coughs> excuse me, the character that I'm currently playing, but I'm going to let him, I'm going to retire him for a little bit as I go on a, a more spiritual journey with this next character. Nice. Uh, but even with him, I was in, involved in, in other people's um, in other people's story arcs pretty much up until it's funny the event that triggers uh, my character finally going on his own story arc is also the the same point where i'm taking a step back and, and going on a different journey but like i've helped more people accomplish their goals than my character has accomplished his and it's not for any other reason than because you can't do evermore alone like no, evermore isn't a beat Ever, evermore isn't something where you go i'm gonna just go travel to xyz and do this thing by myself no you can't like you need people you need friends you need at least people that you're willing to work with to come with you to help you achieve your goals and and vice versa they need you to achieve their goals yeah um, and so it's um it's different but it's fun and it's it's the fact that everybody can hop around with each other, man, like, yeah, it's something it's, else. It's insane, man. And I'm just, again, like we, you know, this is now a weekly thing for me where I'm able to play every week for the most part. Right. Cause we're the festival of fates, um, which is just an awesome event. And you can just tell that it's been a year in real time since this festival has happened. Um, well, it's been two years. It's been oh, two, two years. years. I thought it was a year. Yeah. Well, it's been a it's been a year since. Well, so I don't know if the, the last Festival of Fates actually happened, or okay. if the events that if the events that transpired that caused it not to happen happened at the end of it, or uh, the beginning of it, or during okay. it. Right. So, like, that's the thing. I don't know the lore well enough to know did this happen during the Festival of Fates and. Like, is that why we haven't had it for a whole year? Or did it like the last time? Because it didn't happen in 2020, to my recollection. No, it did not. So that means it happened in 2019, which would be two whole years. True, true. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. That's that, that, that part's a little iffy for me. But the fact that it's in real world time, that this is like all very stuff is in real world time. Like there's yeah. no, there's no like, Oh, hey, you're going to get this done in a month in game, and we're going to role play that in 20 minutes. It's, yeah, no. You're going to do this in a month, and it's going to take a month's worth of sessions. Yeah, and I like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know, I, I, I had experienced the first, and I didn't like it in my own game. So that's kind of how I run things where it's like, no, like, unless we need to really fast track something, there's no, there's no sense in it. I'm, I'm pretty much like, like right now I'm DMing an online game. Um, anyone's open to play in it, but I'm DMing an online game in my world. And the first session that we've had, I mean, technically it's only been a couple of hours because that's how I, maybe a day and that's it. Just because, oh, wow. yeah, man, just because I just think like, Hey, you know what? Like <clears throat> if the characters want to explore and do whatever, let them time is not really a constraint. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, when you're playing D and D, time isn't really something that that you need to worry about. No, like it, it's all relative. It's all relative to the experiences that you and your players want to have. Absolutely. Yeah, and like, and that, and that's where because like, and again, it, that's just me though, and and that's how I like to run things. But, dude, I know also that you've been doing a crap ton in the community, man. Can you talk about that, or do you got some things that your lawyer is telling you not to do? What what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? Um, no, so I, 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 um, well, 2021 has been a crazy year and, and toward the end of it, I started slowing down, but like, yeah, a lot of it, um, I played a lot on, I played around a lot and I ran some games for Fabled 42 during 2021, um, which was a great experience. Got some awesome, yeah, got some awesome experience, but some amazing people ran and played. Wait, 2020 or 2021? Sorry. 2020, 2020. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a year in review since that's like really, let's do it (laughs) but yeah i play i played with some awesome people i've met some some awesome people and played in in some great games there um and now i'm kind of getting back to work and getting back to teaching uh between that and i played some games toward the end of 2020 um with the initiative order as well where i ran some merc board stuff and i played in a couple one shots here and there 
Uh, How'd you like that system? Merkborg, I I love it. Um, it's so dark and like like it's it's the catacombs in Yashai <laughs> of a game system. Yeah. <laughs> to, to put it to put it in evermore speak. Um, I love that it's I love that it's kind of D and D adjacent, where it's still a, somewhat a D twenty system. I'd like to see it get away. From, like I'd like to find a way to get away from that because I feel like it being D twenty dependent is is tough sometimes uh, hmm. you get a lot of moments especially when like the high, highest modifier you can have is plus three where Dang. like the, but the base dc for everything is 12 oh okay so, like, unless okay. a monster so like um, unless like a monster <clears throat> has something which makes it harder to hit and it increases the dc to like 14 or 15 the base dc for everything is 12 so like the minimum you need to roll is a nine but still a nine on a d20 is still. that's a lot that's yeah that's still yeah um that's still a lot to ask and i mean i've had i've had sessions where for the first hour of rolls i nobody rolled anything above a five and they have a plus one modifier so they're constantly failing um yeah and so that's that's tough or i have to find a ways to give them advantage which there's not really an advantage system at Merkbork. um but no as a whole i really love i love the dark fantasy of it i love the renaissance meets the dark ages meets the black plague mm, and, yeah. and it, it's dark it's gritty you're not supposed to survive the world um and and there's just a certain i don't know there it just it speaks to me it's awesome and the art the art is beautiful <laughs> yeah i was looking at some of the uh, the art and it's kind of like cuz you know when i get when i think about dark ages there's so much that goes on in my head, right? Because there's, you know, there is a lot of things historically that you wouldn't want to qualify dark, but then there's other things that you definitely want. to. Oh, yeah, for sure. So so it's like, and that's when I when I thought about that system, I'm like, okay, there's probably some beauty, right? There's some sort of beauty in it. And that's what kind of tripped me up. Because from what when we last spoke, I remember like you were just going getting into the system. Like you were just starting to read it. So you're mm. like, oh, dude, this is going to be sweet, but I don't know if this is going to be, you know, hella dark. But then now it's like, no, it's a beautiful f- form of like. Yeah, gritty. it's it's like the darkness is so dark that you can see the stars. Like, like That's it's awesome, it's yeah. it's like when it's it's like when you're in the middle of nowhere and it's the woods are dark and scary but like you get to that clearing and you look up and you can see the stars and the stars are just beautiful and it reminds you that like even in the darkest of places there's still like that little bit of beauty and that little bit of light um and like not to there i mean and not to say that the the system isn't dark like your character is meant to die the world's meant to end like that's the whole point of the game yeah um, is that the world is ending and there's you're you're not heroes you're people who are just trying to survive the world yeah but but it's through I, I feel like it's almost through your character's survival that makes the world beautiful, right? It's that struggle of like, I don't know what the you know, I know the world's gonna end, but I need to do something with the end of my life. Mm. That sounds really dark, but like when you look at it from like that that flip side of like that's the beauty of it. Yeah, like you're making you're making the last of your end, and you could choose whatever it is. You could be the worst person, like your party could choose to be the bad guys. Yeah. You know, or they can choose to, to do good and it really, you know, it fluctuates. And I like that because it's kind of reminiscent of things that we've experienced probably in our lives, right? Where we've gone through dark moments and it's like, are we mm-hmm. given the choice to rise up and to be better? Or are we given the choice to not do anything, which is also, you know, it's not necessarily evil, but you're not necessarily improving anything or, you know, whatever yeah. other options. So I like that. And that's where I think like, <clears throat> and I don't know what you think about this. I sometimes feel that, you know, in the case of D&D, um, other systems kind of capture what D&D doesn't, which is reality sometimes, right? D&D tries to capture it. And obviously it's a high, it's a fantasy world. There are dragons. There are, you know, creatures called mimics that can may or may not be <laughs> hidden everywhere. My microphone may be a mimic. I don't even know. No, I'm kidding. Um, I hope not. I love mimics. I love mimics, man. Mimics, they're by far, mimics are by far my favorite creatures in D&D. And sorry, sorry to go off on a tangent. But. No, um, then you would <laughs> like the laughing mimic in, in my world. Because uh, that 
tavern may or may not be a giant mimic. <laughs> I love it. it. Yeah, it's uh, the t- I was a 20th level bard. Her name was Lily. So that's her in. So the rumor in the town is that she found like the mother den of a mimic and made a deal with her. And that's her in. That's her. Oh, that's so awesome. That's, that's the rumor, though. That's the rumor. It's not it's not proven yet. So oh, and I don't know if it will ever be proven. <laughs> that, ever, so I think cool. people are too scared. But yeah, that's no, so dude, because um, you've been do, you did you were doing Call of Cthulhu, right? On uh, yeah, I played order. I played a Call of Cthulhu game. That was that was that only last weekend? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Last Saturday, I played in a Call of Cthulhu Dark Ages, uh, Dark Ages one shot uh, with the initiative order. Nice. Um, and I know they run a consistent uh, regular Call of Cthulhu, like the 1920s. Oh, nice. I think Ray's uh, in that too. Yeah, Ray's in that one. Um, it's the same way. It's, um, it's, it's just that, that beauty of, of like, there's just so much dark. And even regular Cthulhu, there's that way. It's that way too. But it's what you make of it. For sure. Um, and like to piggyback off what you were saying, like, yeah, I love D&D. But like, there's no, it's hard for realism to shine through in a game of fantasy and make believe and that's every and, and now that's every game we play you know whether you're yeah. playing you know call of cthulhu or you're playing Merkborg or you're playing um you know uh the alien rpg or anything like that like yeah. you know, we're playing fantasy make believe there there are realistic elements in all these games that we play whether it's the weapons or the you know mechanics or whatever but at the same time it's still all just we're all going with what's up in our head absolutely uh, and and so some games, especially those that are more immersive in like the Tolkien fantasy are harder for realism. Well, Tolkien is different than D&D because Tolkien actually has more realism than D&D does. But um, yeah, Tolkien was that's like, like I would say that Tolkien's low magic at the by the third age you're in a low magic setting. Yeah. I mean, even by, by the end of the second age. Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, so so I, I it's hard for for realism to shine through with D and D, which I think makes some other systems more appealing. But mm-hmm. but D and D is still, I think, the universal the universal model, uh, and I think okay. it always I think it always will be. I think there there are going to be other systems that shine through and are also cool, like Call of Cthulhu is making a huge comeback. Uh, yeah, it is. Or well, not really making a comeback, but like it's starting to shine through. It's a popping bit more. more. It's popping. Yeah, more. Vampire the Masquerade, same thing is popping a little bit more. Um, but that may just also be like an oversaturation of the D and D market. Yeah, I think it. And I'm glad you brought that up because I personally think, and this is where I think the initiative order. I'm actually going to have them on the podcast, but I'm really excited to talk to them about this, where they don't only have D and D, right? I think when Critical Role hit and became so successful, naturally folks said, oh, I wonder if I can do that. I wonder if I can become successful or if I wonder if I can just stream this for the hell of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people did and a lot of people have been doing it. And now it's become saturated. The market is saturated with D&D. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, but it is. I don't think it can be. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's buddy. I love you. I'm in an interview. Um, Is it doggo? It's my doggo. Hi, doggo. Doggos are all always welcome on the podcast. Um, my doggo is Percival Frederickstein von Musil-Kowalski, Darrell the dog. Um, so you can, you can tell how big of a critical role fan I am by that. Um, but no, uh, your dog is it, now the new mascot. FYI, just saying. <laughs> With a name like that, he's now the new Good. mascot. Uh, well, my my wife opened the door because she saw a picture of him. Sorry, tangent, but uh, my wife saw a picture of him and she goes, "Let's name him Percy." And she said Percy, and I said yes. And his full name is after uh, after Talos and Jaffe's character. So, I mean, she didn't know what she was. She didn't know what she was getting into, but <laughs> I mean, she suggested the name. I was like, yeah, cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. You gave your dog the full name. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, but no, I, I think it, there's nothing bad with the oversight. Like 
there's nothing bad because everybody is doing something different with it. Like Correct. nobody's doing the same thing. No. Um, but at the same time, nobody's ever going to be, you know, the top three, I think are um, like critical role, mm-hmm. obviously um, at the adventure zone, which now has diverged through and past D and D. Um, and I know they do some like monsters of the week and some other stuff, uh, but, and I don't keep up with them wholly, but like, the Adventure Zone, Critical Role, and then um, oh, what was the third one? There's another one that popped right around the same time. I don't remember. It'll come up. I'll think of it eventually. Um, but nobody's ever going to be at that level. And even the Adventure Zone won't be at Critical Role level. Um, no, not even Acquisitions Incorporated is going to yeah, be. That was, that's that. what I was thinking of, Ac- Acquisitions Incorporated. There even though they've been around, I think they started recording. And, well, they were recording at during fourth edition they were like the first episode of penny arcade acquisitions incorporated is when they are rolling characters for uh uh fourth edition okay and it's like just and and this it's it is just it's gold to see their process but i think the the difference is that with critical role they nailed it because one, it's an amazing story. That's just that mm-hmm. I think that's what captures anything. It's it has to be an amazing story, right? Uh, look at the Mandalorian. That's yep. an amazing story, and it's rich in lore, rich in history, and that's what Critical Role is. And it doesn't hurt to have people who are professional actors doing yep. this. Um. Yep. And yeah, I, th- I think though, uh, with that being said, I think that there's definitely space to do other type of tabletop systems or get RPG, whatever, like mm-hmm. call Cthulhu. We need more of that. Just yeah, like and there's, need, yeah. there's a huge glow up of that too. I mean, I, I know um, uh, the initiative order does it with their Carnaby street. Yep. Another great call of Cthulhu stream is uh, spot hidden. Okay. Uh, they're a UK based, I believe UK based, uh, call Cthulhu stream. I would talk to Danny if you have Danny on on at some point. Uh, yeah, he'll be on. Him. We're just coordinating schedules now. Yeah, I talked to him more about Spot Hit, and he's really close with those guys. But they're they're another really really fantastic uh, call of Cthulhu stream, and they do, uh, I believe, the original, and they do some Dark Ages, Ooh, uh, nice. which is really cool. Um, just to name a couple. Uh, but yeah, I mean. <sighs> There are so many systems out there. I was talking to my neighbor about Genesis and about, um, we were talking about Genesis. We were talking about, um, what was the other one? Um, it was the Call of Cthulhu, but with um, modern day fantasy. Or maybe it wasn't Call of Cthulhu, uh, modern day fantasy, but it was modern day fantasy yeah. where it was like the, Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Dang it. I know what you're talking about. I had it in my head last night and I looked it up last night and now I don't remember. Um, Dang it. Um, but yeah, so like there's other systems out there that are really good that deserve the spotlight just as much as D&D. But I think so many people get their start on watching Critical Role or other podcasts like Critical Role and playing D&D that it just becomes so natural to gravitate toward it. Um, and fifth edition yeah. was made nicely to, for you to pick it up easy. And especially mm-hmm. like, dude, look, look at D and D Beyond. You, you. Can, oh, I love what they're doing. Apps. Yeah. I, I think from a technology perspective, I love what they're doing. I think their content's good. Um, I think that the fact that you know, let's say you and I wanted to play D and D, and we grab someone from, you know, picked a random person who doesn't know how to play, we mm-hmm. can show them D and D Beyond, help them build a character. Yeah, I'm. That. D- I'm doing that with two of my, or my best friend from college. He's never nice. played D and D before. And me and him used to play Xbox a long time or like uh, for pretty much since I've met him, like that's been the thing that brought us together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't had his Xbox for a while. He got rid of it. Uh, you know, he has, you know, he's got a kid now and adult responsibilities. So gaming is just kind adulting. Of, uh, yeah. Adulting. Um, which is, you know, no fault of his own, but I'm like, dude, I want to hang out with you more. I'm going to get you into D and D. So I asked him, I asked one of his groomsmen from his wedding, who I'm still close, close with, who both have never played. I'm like, let's play. I got my brother. I got another one of my players involved. Uh, and I'm going to run a one shot for him, but I'm hoping that it kicks off. And like, we're using D and D beyond 
for almost yeah. all of it because uh, let's be honest it's a universal hey you want to learn how to play D and you don't want to have to spend three hours building a character sheet here's D beyond yep i i think you can probably once you get in the habit of it you can take like 30 minutes of your day to fully you know mm-hmm. do everything you want with your character and you're good yep yeah it takes me when i want to build a character now i can do it as as quick as five minutes or if yep. i want to go and flesh it out like you said maybe 30 minutes tops uh which is awesome i mean yeah, dude, I, I think that's like you can throw something in the background, listen to music or a podcast. That's like maybe half an episode. I mean, hell, that's probably one you can episode. Listen of to it. this. Yeah, you, you can, can listen, listen to this for a half hour and build your own character. I'm just saying, <laughs> you can. Like, just hey, you know, I'm not, you know, no shameless plug here. I'm just saying. You know. <laughs> but no, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I wanted to ask you about this too. From a perspective uh, as a world builder, right? We talked, we, last time we talked mostly D&D, but yeah. now going into the different systems, what system do you think is easier to really lay the foundations for uh, an intricate world? Oh, that's such a tough question. Uh, um, it, yeah. <laughs> I didn't well, if that. we're talking, if we're talking about, like has already a good base so there's it's twofold it's For are sure. you are you homebrewing or are you going off of an existing world Let, um, let's so let's like, answer both so let's say okay. for first part um let's say that there's official content so going off something that like you said going off something already mm-hmm. i would say um there there's two that come to mind i i think the first would be uh i picked up the dragon age rpg how is it uh it's by by green ronin uh first of all it's really freaking hard to find and it's pretty expensive at this point um so it was it was but i but i love dragon age so i picked it up but it is so good and if you if you play the games and you have a base understanding of the lore yeah it expands upon it and it is so it's almost like the uh it's almost tolkien or tolkien in a way where it, it, it just, I mean, it, it does such a good job of explaining how the world functions and how the world flows and what each country is doing and what their relationships with other countries are. So it lets you build, it gives you the opportunity to build a really expansive world. Um, nice. And at the same time, you can focus in on, you know, or lay or focus in on the free marches. And it gives you enough meat inside of that to make that the only, because let's be honest none of the dragon age except for inquisition none of the dragon age games really get uh, get much outside of that one specific area right True. like if you look at the first the, the original um you're looking at ferelden and i don't mm. think you ever go outside of ferelden other than to go into the deep roads uh yeah no now that you th- now that you made me think about it yeah you don't the, the second one was all the free marches yep um well actually I take that back because Awakening, if you play Awakening, which is the like bonus DLC, it's like almost like Origins 1.5, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Awakening, I believe, takes place in Orlay, but it's okay. like right on the Orlesian Ferelden border, somewhere around gotcha. there. Um, dude, now you're, that's, wanna, you're making me want to play this. Dude, I go back and play it all the time and I get like three hours in and then I get mad at something and I restart. i get mad at one choice i make and i'm like all right cool time to reboot um but i'd say dragon age is really good Mm -hmm. um it's again it's difficult to find so it's not one of those where i would be like hey you know unless you're a diehard dragon age fan i wouldn't wholly recommend searching it out uh just because it's it's like one of those things where it's like you truly have to have a passion for the lore um uh, let's see what else. Uh, the other one I was going to say is either uh, anything with with it with Lord of the Rings. So there, I know oh, yeah. Free League is coming out with second. Free League's coming out with second edition of the One Ring, which was the precursor to the fifth edition uh, Adventures in Middle Earth. Nice. Uh, which again, those are really good. But I think the only reason, similarly to Dragon Age, the only reason the One Ring and Adventures in Middle Earth are so good lore wise is because it has such an expansive history 
already written about it and already yeah. like able to go and view right if i wanted to if i mm. wanted to build upon you know a one ring campaign i would just go through and i'd find some i think tolkien's encyclopedia is really good mm -hmm. um you know or i'd go and flip through the books and look at all the footmarks and or footnotes and see where uh see where i can find information that expands upon the things that i want they those two have such a rich history yeah um, and really any game that focuses on a rich history or rich knowledge base. I mean, I'm sure if you were a historian who focused on 1920s anywhere in the world, Call of Cthulhu would be your shit. Like you would True. love Call of Cthulhu because it's that time period. Um, you know, similarly, uh, Tales from the Loot is the 1980s. Like it's, it's the alternate reality of the 1980s. If you're if you were an 80s kid and you spent and, and you loved the nostalgia of the 80s and you want to bring that back and you know about the world and the area that you lived, yeah, it would be great. It would be great. But it, it I think it, in order for a book to be successful on its own, it needs a really expansive world history, like a, its own world history, for sure, um, which is which is where I think D&D &D right now across the board is failing at. Um I'd agree. And I think, I think that's universally, that's, that's the new thing that I think people are getting upset with um, is that D and D is doing a great job producing modules. Hands down five, mm -hmm. by far the best. Um, but there's not really a universal, like if you want to run a campaign in the sword coast, you know, this like how you do it. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a bit of, The only exception would be Critical Role. Yeah. Because Mercer has both the Taldori campaign guide, which is by Green Ronin, and then he also has the the, the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. But wouldn't and, you say that's because of the show? Like he set the history and the lore, presented it through the show, and because of that, it laid the foundation for him to create those books. A hundred percent. Um, not to say that not to say that he didn't have like the let's be honest he probably mm -hmm. was was sitting on these waiting to publish these absolutely you know, it, absolutely it, it, it just it just was a matter of timing and it, it took all of season one because i don't think the Taldori came campaign guide came out it didn't come out until the very end of the very end of um season one mm -hmm. because because um Critical Role was still with Geek and Sundry, and that's who, the other name on the book, other than Green Green Ronan was, True. was Geek and Sundry. Um, but but I think that's because of the world. That's because uh, Mercer has done such a phenomenal job with being able to explain the Menagerie. They've only been to like four key places on the Menagerie Coast. True, but he's done such a great job explaining those places that anybody could pick up a uh, campaign or anybody yeah. can like roll characters and play in that place, you know, playing Nicaragus without having to worry about it, um, it or using the book a little bit as a reference. Um, yeah, uh, no, you're absolutely right, and I think that's where you know we have the thing is we do D and D has a rich history, but fifth edition isn't caught up. Like they're like, look at the Dragonlance novels. Look at the, you know, let, let's mm. get away from Forgotten Realms for a second. Um, there's so much history in the Dragonlance novels. Like, mm -hmm. well, Dragonlance, there's, um, yep. there's Planescape, there's Spelljammer. Uh, Spelljammer. Um, what was the other one? The one that's super, super low magic. Was that Spelljammer? No, no, no. That's no. well, Spelljammer uh, was like the star. Was, dark sun dark sun dark sun yes. is what i was thinking of dark yeah. sun is like dark sun to me when they finally if and when they finally release dark sun dark sun will be the merkborg of DD. yes like will. at 100 percent will um especially with fifth they, edition rules if the if they do it right but the, the thing is is like they have to do it right because it's not from what i've read and i have very little experience with, with dark sun other than you know some some re, a little bit of research i did for a few articles that i wrote um the, because it's so low magic anybody who casts magic is like has a death wish and i love it um and mostly because i love i love melee classes but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but uh 
it's just so different from regular D&D that like when you see it, you're like, oh man, I w- what? There's a there's a D&D world where there isn't any magic? Like, how does that work? I want to know more about this. Like, And then it, there's Eberron. And then there's Eberron where like everything is magic. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish, I wish, I wish they would have went that way with toward Dragonlance and toward, you know, in, instead of Eberron and Ravnica sometimes. Um, but I mean, again, it is what it is. They'll get there eventually. Yeah. I think I'm um, even Mercer when what, what did Mercer hmm? when Mercer was writing Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, like he went in and was like, yo, what's going on? Um, why don't we have, why don't we have, and not like in a bad way, more of like an inquisitive way. Um, but he was like, yo, what's going on? Why don't we have Dragonlance? And why don't we have all of these worlds, Spelljammer and Planescape, all these worlds that I grew up in as a child. And Wizards of the Coast was like, essentially told them like, don't worry about it. We're working on it. So who knows if they're really in the works, but I have, I have a little bit of faith that they'll get put out. This is eventually. my prediction. They just settled. I believe they just dropped or settled the lawsuit with the authors of Dragonlance. Okay. Which means I think we're going to get a Dragonlance book within this year or next year. Okay. And what well, I've Mike- been seeing, though, is like with Ravnica, right? They've been mm-hmm. following Magic the Gathering. And right now, like, like in Magic the Gathering, I think it's called like Chaldean or something like that. It's like Norse which equates to Frost Maiden, right? It's got that, like, mm-hmm. you know, symbology. So I wonder, <clears throat> because Dragonlance is coming out, I think they're having an Arthurian, in Magic the Gathering, they're going to have their little Arthurian type set coming oh. out. So I okay. wonder if they're waiting for that so that it kind of balances one another because they're kind of, they're coming out in balances. Like, in when Innistrad came out, Curse of Strahd came out. Like, mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's the key. And see, and I don't follow I don't follow Magic the Gathering very well or at all, to be honest. <clears throat> well, so. my best friend does. So he tells me like <laughs> all the stuff. So I'm like, hmm, inside this is like inside information. Yeah, it's like little Easter eggs almost. Yes. Um, yep. But yeah, so in terms of in terms of um, going back to your original question, in terms of world building from an already in existing setting, I'd say Dragon Age, I'd say Lord of the Ring or uh, One Ring Adventures in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm um honestly if you can or, or you know what what else um alien rpg which is also by free league mm-hmm. uh alien rpg i know you've talked about star trek rpg there's a star wars um rpg system out there as well um and there's dnd co- uh, conversions of each as well and there's and there's dnd conversions of each um but 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 as a whole i'd say anything that has such a rich history that you from you to draw upon whether it's films mm. or tv shows or books. uh books it, you know that's that's those are the ones that make up the best uh, uh those are the ones that make up the best world world building from a perspective of like you don't have to homebrew it okay. um, like my like my favorite i ran a star wars uh 5e one shot nice and when you hold like they're on now it was awesome uh for one reason i didn't really know what i was going to run until maybe about a half hour before the session. And uh, I told myself, I'm like, well, what would be really cool? And then I was like, you know what? They're going to be, uh, I wanted it to be set in the Clone Wars era because let's be honest, Clone Wars is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. And so I said, okay, Clone Wars era, what do I want them to do? And then I was like, well, they need to get through Hut space. So they're going to go to Nel Hutta. And who's in charge of Nel Hutta? Well, the honorable job of the Hut. And uh, from there, I crafted the story of Jabba the Hutt is painstakingly trying to remove a, a, a baby Rancor, a young Rancor, from a cave near uh, his, his, you know, the, the Hutt uh, temple, or not temple, yeah. but the Hutt palace. Yeah. And so when the Republic and the Separatists come and figure, you know, come get some hyperspace lanes from him. He's like, yeah, you could use it, but you need to bring me this young Rancor alive. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, everybody's like, why did my players are like, why does he need him alive? Why does he need him alive? And at the very end, I go, yeah, uh, a Gamorrean comes walking in 
as well as this young little chubby kid. And they all just go, what? And like the set, and then I'm like, and that's where we're going to end the session. And they go, did we just give that the rancor from episode six? And I'm like, yep, that's how it got there. Nobody's ever made that cannon. That's how it's got there. <laughs> that's legit. Because the Jedi and some clones decided that they needed Jabba the Hutt's uh, hyperspace lanes. But and so- see, and that's, that's, see, like just that line right there, dude, I get goosebumps because I'm like, crap, like, I would love to see that and experience that, but I don't think you get that even. Okay. Even in a, and I think this, you know, your answer would apply in the homebrew, right? Because even in star Wars fifth edition or star Wars RPG, whatever, if you had to homebrew some stuff, as long as you have lore from a previous set, you know, author or uh, group, whatever it may be, you're good. You can build upon it. It's like an open gaming license, right? Mm-hmm. Or any, or even an open like software license where you build upon that technology and it makes it better and better. So, yeah, yeah, no, I love uh, Star Wars Five E. That's probably one of my favorite um, fifth edition um, compatible systems, I guess you could say, or compatible worlds. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to play. I mean, who doesn't love the lore of Star Wars? Like if you, you know, Star Trek's great, but really there's a lot of lore in Star Wars where, I mean, 40 plus years, come on now. Yeah. Well, and like my favorite part was I had a party of four and they weren't super balanced in the offensive category. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a clone trooper and I'm going to play that clone trooper because if there's anything I've wanted more in life is to role play a clone trooper. Um, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I totally got into Star Wars Legion because one, I was like, oh, it's a cool mini game. But also I'm I'm weak when it comes to minis. But second, (laughs) um, I was like, dude, how cool would it be if I were to if we were to play like a Star Wars 5e campaign? Yep. And have all these clone troopers and have all these rebels and just everything. And you, we can yeah. literally just, we can use these as the miniatures. Like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I would love that. My brother, my brother plays in a, in a star Wars five E campaign. And it's all, like, he tells me stories about it. And I'm just, I'm sitting there like drooling over it, like wishing I could play. Well, I uh, thought about starting that. I thought about starting doing like a one shot scene where it goes and then just, hosting it so we'll see if you're interested i'll, I'll let you I'm know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw my name in the hat but my name's logan hanley and i love <laughs> star wars <laughs> honestly like because it because there's actually a buddy of mine uh actually lives in philly i don't I have to remember what part because he just moved um but yeah him and i did a fifth edition star wars campaign and we were it was set in the old republic and it was like Ooh, i love that Old Republic and Clone Wars are my favorite eras. See, for me, a lot of it has to do with one thing, and that's the armor, the armor aesthetic of the troopers. Because up until up until um, the end of the Republic, everything Mm -hmm. looked like High Republic armor. Yeah. Um, And and so, like for me, that just gets me. It looks very Mandalorian inspired. Even the stormtrooper armor is Mandalorian inspired, but like. It's really not, and I hate it. It's stupid looking. It's um, it's it's, it's I mean, it's it was it was 1970s production value for sure. Let's be honest. Like that's the only reason why it looked like that. And there's their own. That's the only reason why Phase One and Phase Two Clone Trooper armor looked the way they did was because of the the new ability of technology. Yeah. Um, but um, where was I going with this? I just blanked. Um. But yeah, I love like in the um, the old Republic video game, the the MMO, the the one captain who in his orange armor with his helmet, it all just looks super clone trooper. And then he sits yes. there, pulls out the dagger, and tries to stay, uh, stab. Uh, who is it? Uh, it's uh, uh, Darth, Darth. Uh, Mel. It's not Malcor. <clears throat> um, is it Malcor? Darth Malcor or Mal? Uh, Malcor something with an M. Yeah, it starts something with an M. I don't remember what it is, but or who it is. Um, Dude, that was the like, best the fact, part. I love that cinematic. Yeah, yeah, those cinematics were the best because, like, it wasn't none of those. Even the ones where the two Jedi and the two Sith Lords were fighting, 
in the, the battle station. It wasn't about them. It was about this random trooper and a gunslinger. Like when that gunslinger just Cad Bane style pulls out a pistol and starts dual wielding and just shooting the crap out of droids. I'm just, I die every time. Um, like, I think a lot of it too is the glorification. It's similar to like D and D a little, it's like the glorification of the Jedi where like mm-hmm. everybody plays five E because they love five E and like, that's what they know. Yeah. Everybody wants to play a Jedi because like, they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here. Like, I just want to be a guy with a, space laser that follows orders and like looks like Django Fett please can I be that <laughs> like <laughs> well that and that's the thing like so the campaign that we were playing we were playing old republic but my character was a Jedi who left the Jedi temple Ooh. and became yeah, like see, and I love those I love those arcs and became a great Jedi and started the temple that just focuses on the force like you know the force isn't necessarily evil or bad it is just the force so that's kind of what the and my character all he did was just collect books that's all he did to build the library because he was like the lore master of the library so he was like building up so he was taking sith holocrons he was taking like anything he could to Mm -hmm. build up the lore and there was times where it's like there was a fight and actually it's on i think it's on the behold a DD podcast uh channel where there's a fight and i literally just pull up a seat from the cafe and just take notes because it's not my i was like they're not attacking me and that's the beauty of this is that you any game and especially like going back from like a world building perspective going back from like that story perspective it's like if you're playing your character you don't have to be involved in every combat you don't have to be involved in every little thing you can sit back and just watch you can i mean and going back to evermore you can literally just i just want to be a chef okay then do that you don't have to adventure and i think like i think it's also dependent upon the system right or or the world Mm -hmm. if your world if the world that you're playing in allows you and facilitates that because it not only has rich lore but gives you that freedom Mm -hmm. you're going to be set up for success rather than like oh you are an adventurer you have to be an adventurer you have to look at it like this yeah I don't know. That's my opinion. I don't know what you think about it, but I think having that environment really facilitates and helps build a story. Yeah, no, I think, I think having a environment where, well, first of all, I feel like D and D was built, um, was built entirely in mind of like, let's get into combats a lot because there, there are a lot outside of like maybe bards and some clerics. I mean, it's very, very combat heavy. And so finding ways yeah. to meaningful, meaningfully make sure that combat isn't the sole focus um, is really important. Uh, and I think that's where, that's where it really comes down to the players. Um, True. But like from a world building standpoint, yeah, I think I was going to say this to go back to like which one for homebrew do you think is the best? Mm-hmm. Um, I think fifth edition universally, no matter what's like, no matter what setting you're playing in, whether it's, you know, the adventures in middle earth or it's regular, you know, 5e D or it's star wars fifth edition or you know anything else they turn i think there's a call there's a, a new cthulhu uh there's new rules for cthulhu 5e uh that, there's that's, uh that's somebody that mercer was talking about at, at, during a promo f- during one of the episodes mm-hmm. that's on kickstarter I there's don't know a mass effect exactly. i know that there's mass effect yeah Pokemon. like there's a lot yeah i mean it, it it's almost the same um as like these other systems you know like like um one ring and like dragon age um where it's like you can just draw from wherever you get inspiration from but D does a really good job of being that like well you want a high fantasy setting that has a little bit of narnia has a little bit of westeros has a little bit of lord of the rings has a little bit of uh I don't know. You throw some Star Trek in there for when you eventually go to the Astral Sea and meet the Gith. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You you could do that in Five E, and it could yep. still be awesome. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I have a I have a campaign in mind where the players start off as I, I um, developed or I found rules for a commoner arc, which I think we talked about at one point, mm-hmm. um, where like they play as just like level zero character until from level one to level five uh, throughout this arc, and they get certain abilities and stuff but at the end of the arc they get abducted by aliens the aliens aren't aliens they're gith 
but then I transfer to, okay, well, you're no longer on the material plane, you're on the astral sea. And I'd use things like Star Wars 5e, or I'd use like Star Trek, or I'd use like other inspirations that are more like Mm -hmm. sci-fi based, like the barbarian who'd be like, man, I can't cast spells and I don't have the dexterity to shoot a blaster. Well, I guess I'm pointless. No, you get a vibro axe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, or like, or like now your monks, now your monks can learn the ways of the Jedi or like not necessarily like force, but your key becomes more like the force and you can wield a lightsaber or like, um, and that's where spell you know, jammer would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where there were things like spell jammer would have been great. Like or a Starfinder. There you go. Starfinder. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. The yep. of that. That's a better example. Um, yeah. Pathfinder and Starfinder are a really good example of that, of how that, that would work. But, uh, but yeah, I think 5e overall is your overarching like get out of jail free card when it comes to homebrew mm-hmm. because you can pull things from all over the place to make it make it work. Um, True. True. Yeah. But if like you're looking for like that one specific like you just want Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, then like you're going to like you're going to have to go dig deeper for those systems that are just those settings. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree. And, and I think that, and the, one of the last things I'll say is, you know, from a, from the perspective of one who, you know, and again, you, I would say you're one of the most highly involved individuals in the community because you're streaming multiple things. But I also know that as, you know, a world builder, you are, you know, you're there. So my thing is, you know, last, like, I, I really, dude, I agree. I, I truly think that you have the mind to be in a fantastic world builder and a fantastic storyteller. And I'm, I'm bowing right now. I'm <laughs> bowing right now and saying, thank you. <laughs> dude, no, man, like, I, I can't wait to play with you. I and, appreciate I really it. and I can't wait. And, you know, and that's the thing, though. It's like, but you have that. For me, it's like, you've done that research. You've done that extensive and, and, and that's the last thing I'll say is that for folks out there who want to say, okay, like, how do I become better? Go out and play different games, go out and read different things, go out, watch, you know, go out and yeah. explore and then bring it back. That's mm-hmm. the, what's the most important in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, well, we can't talk and about I just both. started, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just started getting into anime. Oh, and nice. I've, well, and I've, I've always been into anime, but like, it hit me full force about like three months ago. So I've watched a few different things, but like I pull a lot of inspiration. I love sword art online. I know there's a lot of back and forth about it, but like that was like the first real anime that I watched back when like I was in, in college and I didn't really know a whole lot about anime other than like Dragon Ball Z and like the nineties and early two thousands ones. Yeah. Um, I'll send you a watch sword art online and stuff. Please, please do. I need, I need to get back on that train. Um, but I watched Sword Art Online and I drew a lot of inspiration from that because I love the idea of like it being a virtual world video game that's also high fantasy, you know? Like, and I love that connection where it's like it's it's a high fantasy world. But there are huge, but risks. like, but there's such a huge risk. Um, and then the other one I just finished, um, and I think they're starting a new season on soon is Don Machi. Mm, which yeah. is uh, which is how to pick up uh, or is it okay or how or is it okay to pick up girls in a dungeon or something like that which isn't the point of the the anime at all no the uh, name is really weird but because it, it doesn't deal with anything yeah. of that like the time i think the only reason the only reason i think is the figure in the figurative sense because like he's the only guy up until he gets the armor or the the weaponsmith uh, oh yeah as his ally he's the only guy in the party and he's like meeting them in the anyway um but that one um, a long, long time ago, when we were talking about world building, I told you that I had a city that was based off Vasselheim. Nice. Yeah. And so I went up myself after watching Don Machi because Don Machi is the city that's based on the gods having their own little pantheons of adventurers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went up myself and said, listen, this one city that is the universal city for all the gods like Vasselheim is in Critical Role. Um, now I'm not just pr- pulling from Mercer's world. Now I'm pulling from this world of make-believe where the gods, now each church, right? Each temple, each religion of, of these gods has their own pantheon of adventurers that are the children, quote unquote, of this God. 
um, and they are responsible for protecting the realm essentially, um, or at least like that that continent um, in a broader scope of things. But like I loved 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 it so much that as soon as I finished, like while I was watching it, I was going in, I was making notes, and I was adjusting my world. And that's one of the big things. If I can subconsciously, uh, and I think this is a big tip for anybody who wants to get into world building, find things that subconsciously make your mind go, Mm -hmm. ooh, I want to include this. And then find, don't just throw it in. Find meaningful ways to uh, to incorporate it into your world. Mm -hmm. Because if you just throw it in, if you just are like, ooh, I like... um, I don't know. I like, um, I like the land of Mordor, right? Like, Oh, I pick up, I scoop up Mordor, move it over, drop it into my world, give it a different name, but it's still Mordor. Yeah. Your players are going to learn about it lore wise and they're going to go, Oh, so it's Mordor. Yeah. But if you, if you take it and you craft it in such a way of, well, maybe this isn't orcs and goblins maybe it's really the elves or the dwarves or maybe it's this maybe the elves unknown, are evil maybe the elves are evil or maybe it's your 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 version of avernus that's come into the world you know what i mean like yeah you find a meaningful way to wrap it into your world building um that that's what i would say is is key right like everything i do I, or everything i watch i watch purposefully if i if i sit there and i watch the first episode and i don't think it won't it subconsciously won't hit my dean or my dungeon master brain i won't watch it which which sucks mm-hmm. because there's a lot of really great there are a lot of really great enemies out there uh like attack on titan. i watched maybe the first two or three episodes of attack on titan and i loved it it's really good but it just wasn't it wasn't tickling that portion of my my dungeon master brain yeah. where i was like see for i want to use this in my world the 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 concept of the walled cities for me is actually what I use for my city called Legalheim, where it's like so Legalheim is like the city of it it's it's the city of the gods in the Greek Roman mythology mm-hmm. and then there's emissaries of like all the so there's like all the emissaries of the races in my world that have a temple there in honor but they have that three walled principle because for them that's the last bastion they believe they're the last bastion of the human kingdom when again their perspective yeah their per- and again perspective is oh, it's such a good word like key. it's key man it's it's i don't i can't express how thankful i am for joining evermore because it's mm-hmm. given me like it that per- that type of um thinking has permeated not through just like evermore but like through all of the D that i play now uh it's Absolutely. Been, and it's all about perspective absolutely and that's yeah man it's well i hope that we get to play together in evermore because that would be fun and i'll definitely yeah i will say that the new the new character is definitely going to be rio friendly um okay cool and and i've already talked to macy a little about Mm -hmm. him and she's already tugging at my coattails to get me to come journey with you guys a little bit Listen, that would be dope. Post post uh, festival of fates. Hey, if you guys stop playing on on Friday nights when I have my home game, I'll 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 play with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear that. I hear that. Um, uh, but dude, I can't yeah, wait. I can't no. wait to play. I can't wait. Um, I'll let you know about the fifth edition, um, the Star Wars fifth edition, because I, I I've been wanting to do it, man. I've been really wanting. That would to. be awesome. Um, I don't know. I might set it in the Clone Wars era. I might set it in Old Republic. It's going to be one of those two. Um, Dude, either way, you got you got my heart, man. That's that's all that matters. <laughs> well, dude, <laughs> those two yeah. settings are yeah. It, it's there's that's another episode we can go into, man. But like, I could talk about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings for years, man. <laughs> well, now you're gonna have to be on another episode so that we can talk about Star Wars and then Lord of the Rings. Just saying, yeah, you've committed yourself, yes. but now the audience knows that you've committed, dude. You. <laughs> I mean, you know, all you got to do is text me and say, "Hey, let's let's talk," and I'm and I'm down to hop on. You know that. I know, I know, I know. I'm good. It's uh, it's one of those things, man, where I'm just like, and I'm so grateful for technology because we can do it, right? We can do this thing mm-hmm. with technology. But, dude, I appreciate you joining. I appreciate you hopping on, um, folks. Please be sure to follow DM Screening on Instagram. Check out Logan on the Initiative Order. He's still. I'm pretty sure you're still doing a lot of stuff with them. So 
you're going to see his face. I'm doing stuff from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. With schedules. Yeah. Schedule permitting and whatnot, obviously, but you'll yeah, scheduling. see that there. You'll probably also hear him more on this podcast, especially now that I think both our schedules are not as crazy anymore um, with mm-hmm. 2020. Let's just call it that <clears throat> hot, that weird year, but yeah, appreciate you joining brother. I really do. Um, and yeah, folks, appreciate y'all listening in. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow us and subscribe to us. Give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. Most importantly, though, be kind and compassionate to one another. And as always, keep gaming. Thank you.